Hello and welcome to 2IP to the Pod, a podcast on intellectual property from the Chartered Institute of Patent Attorneys. My name is Lee Davis, the Chief Executive of SEPA, and through this series of podcasts, I'm going to invite SEPA members and others from across the world of IP, including inventors, innovators and creative people to share their stories with me. This podcast, though, is a little different. Having put season one of the series to bed and taken a bit of a break, this is an opportunity to look back at some of the highlights, if we've got any, and also to look forward to what might be coming up in the next few months. As ever, I'm joined by my regular co-host, SEPA Council Member and Honorary Secretary, Willem Roberts, and together we are the two IPs in a pod. Hey, Willem, not seen you for a couple of weeks. Have you been up to much, mate? Uh, same as you, I had a bit of a break, went away, um, had some good weather, back absolutely raring to go with podcasts. Yeah, I know, I've really missed it, haven't you? Yeah, massively, don't make that face. <laughs> massively. Where'd you go on your break? I went to North Wales, um, which, uh, when it's sunny, which is incredibly unusual, becomes the Monaco of the West. It was absolutely awesome. So, yeah, sitting on beaches, they had cocktails on the beach. It was awesome. I believe that you were to be found in a tent. Well, not found. I was hiding. So um, <laughs> I, I, was, I, was, I, was, I was doing my Where is Boris Johnson impersonation. Um, <laughs> it was amazing because we, could, we couldn't get a pitch with electric hookup, so I didn't bother taking the laptop. The Wi-Fi was really flaky on the campsite. The phone signal was flaky there. So I was able to lose myself for a week, which was um, which was really, really good. Did you live entirely on baked beans? I know. I did actually slide the barbecue in the back of the car. Oh. So, okay. so yeah, a bit naughty, I know, because it, it was meant to be a bit more extreme than that. But no, we, so we lived on early morning barbecues. Really. Oh, lovely. Yeah, probably annoyed our neighbours, but it was good for us. Do you know, we started playing around with this podcast thing just after lockdown started. That's five months ago. I've not seen, apart from Zoom meetings and stuff like that, I've not seen any of the staff, not seen any council members other than via a um, laptop. I'm not, I'm not saying that's a good or a bad thing. I'm just <laughs> make, 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 making the observation. We, we can all come camping with you, you know. It's not a problem. <laughs> I tell you what, though, I was thinking about it this morning, and we've done five council video conferences now. And in my experience, I think they've been better than our normal SEPA council meetings. And I was, I was thinking about why that is. And I think it's because so I'm going to get all kind of like technical and boring for a few minutes now. But in the past, when we tried to get people to dial into council meetings, we had maybe 15 council members around a table and five or six poor souls trying to dial in by video conference or phone. And the people around the table monopolised the meeting. And those who were kind of dialing in struggled to get a word in edgeways. And everyone who was dialing in always used to complain that the system didn't work. It was always the system that didn't work. We're using exactly the same system, but it works brilliantly. And it works brilliantly because we're all in exactly the same situation. We're all dialing in. We all respect the fact that we're attending remotely. And um, I'm hoping we never go back to absolute normal because I'd quite like to hang on to some stuff like that. Yeah, I completely agree. I think, well, first of all, yeah, the turnout is much better, I think. Yeah. Um, you had almost completely everybody, every, I mean, I guess no one's got anything else to do, at which point council becomes an exciting option. But I know really good turnout from that. You can see people as well. I think that's another thing. So because you've been doing it with the video conferencing, as a result, you can see what people are doing and thinking. That was always a problem dialing in because you can't really read the room either. So yeah. you don't quite know what's going on. And if you remember years ago when I wasn't perhaps quite such an assiduous attendee of council meetings i didn't even I know you were on council for five years <laughs> i used to dial in uh, and then basically to put it put myself on mute 
and do work. And once I was going to say something, came off mute, thought better of it and forgot to press mute again. And so the council meeting went on. About five minutes later, I started dictating into my machine. And this round of kind of laughter came through the phone when I realized I hadn't pressed mute. And I was quite clearly not really taking it seriously. Again, tricky to, to, to get away with that now. But no, I agree. And uh, I think it's much fairer. Traipsing into London doesn't work. I mean, luckily, my office is just around the corner. But traipsing into London, of course, doesn't work for a lot of people. This makes it absolutely open to all. Yeah. And um, I think we've seen that. You, you talked about the turnout earlier, but I think we've been pretty much full slate every council meeting, which has been amazing. So talk to a little bit about CIFA. Kilburn and Strode's a large, and if I may say so, successful IP firm. How are things there? How are you guys coping? Well, like everybody, it was a bit of a shock when it happened. We were quite lucky because we'd gone flexible about a year earlier. So everybody had a laptop and we all just went home. And so that bit, thank goodness, was, was really straightforward. We just went home and kept on working. Um, the challenge I think everybody's facing is how to keep the mood going, how to keep the interaction going. And we've had all kinds of different campaigns and things to do that. And actually, we've got to, I, I hope, got to a fairly kind of cheerful place. But we, we opened the office up uh, beginning of August. Okay. Um, what's interesting is only, what, 20, that's not 20 out of 200 people are coming in. And I think that's people who've just had enough of sitting at home yeah. for whatever reason, either a bit tired of their own company or they're a bit tired of the company they're with, or, you know, different people got different, <laughs> uh, or, or basically, you know, there's not enough room at home. Um, but it's amazing how few actually have come in, what a small portion that is. And I, I, I've been in a couple of times now, I always cycle. And yeah. I kind of thought I can get people not tubing it in at the moment, but maybe the roads will be rammed with cyclists, but it's pretty quiet as well. It's just people aren't really going back in if they don't have to. I've still, yeah, I've not been on a train for five months now, which is amazing. I mean, I do need to go into the office soon because we're in the middle of audit at the moment. There's some work to do around that. But we're the same. I don't think there's any of the staff are in no rush to come back. They've, they've all worked out that actually the jobs that they do can be largely done from a desk anywhere, wherever that happens to be. It doesn't, you know, at work, at home or, or anywhere else. But I think we're the same. I think there are some people that would um, like the company of being back in the office again. Have you had to do anything to adjustment-wise in the office to allow people to go back or with so few people going back? Are they, can they manage the distance and then that sort of thing? Uh, we've got a one-way system kind of going on. We've got a hand sanitizers everywhere we've had we're not using the meeting rooms there's one person in the kitchen and we've spread people out we've we've got two kind of sides of the building we're just using yeah. one side and spread and you've got to go back to the same place so you have your own desk and that's that and we've but we've you know we've kitted up for lots more people so there's plenty of room to do that i had a big idea which i haven't run past the partners yet so i'll just break it to you here which is that what we should do is i think people can start coming in from further away and stay in london for a couple of nights in the pod hotel i'm thinking of building in our unused side um, um, I think it'd be a fantastic vibe, it'd be like a kind of an IP Harry Potter dormitory feel. Um, but like I say, I haven't actually got that one through the plans just yet. Yeah, come on in. Honestly, we can have um, we can have IP slumber parties. Yeah, no, it doesn't sound good, does it? It's <laughs> <laughs> really odd. I've changed my mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Spin that one off. It's amazing how much this COVID thing's affected the world, though. Again, kind of getting ready for the podcast, I, I was thinking through some stuff. There's some big, big changes at SEPA. I'm thinking that here we are, edging on towards September. We'd be having Congress. We'd be having the IP Paralegal Conference. We'd have the Life Sciences Conference coming up in November. They're all online. And um, actually, from what I understand about the planning and the, the booking numbers, it looks like they're going to be successful. Well, Congress looks really quite imaginative. Uh, and you've got some good speakers going on. Yeah, it's a great slate, isn't it? Yeah, it's a really good lineup for Congress. I'm the compare again. I have no idea how you compare an online conference, but I'd give it my best shot. You can have a separate camera for your shoes. <laughs> 
hey, do you know what? That's not a bad shout, is it? I could, I could, I could maybe shut the iPhone up on the floor, dial it in, dial it in separately. And, and, yeah, we've also, I mean, the other thing is that we've put on so many more webinars. I mean, obviously, we lost a few uh, seminars and the regional meetings that would have happened. We increased the webinar program, and I know that members have been really engaged in that. So that's yeah, there is some there is some good news in in all of this, and that's that we're doing things differently, and it seems to be by and large working. I wonder how um, we, you, everybody's going to solve the other aspect though of the the old seminar and kind of physical congress um uh, uh setups which was <clears throat> the networking side of it and actually i don't like the word networking i think it's 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 a bit too um psychotic i prefer meeting people you know so there was that kind of there were the random meetings you used to have at these either with old mates or occasionally you know you're you're nabbing a biscuit or a freebie from yeah. uh, one of the tables. You're getting your Rubik's Cube kind of thing. And you end up talking to somebody. That is going to be really difficult to replicate, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're, we're going to try it. I, we, I know we, for Congress, we've got these sort of um, ideas of having sessions where there are just rooms that people can break out into and kind of randomly have a chat and that. But you, you can't absolutely replicate that experience of seeing someone across a room and kind of making a dash over there at coffee and catching up or being introduced to someone new and the sort of the, the great buzz you get from... Um, kind of finding new and different things. But yeah. We were talking about that a little, about the way that a lot of the kind of business meetings and kind of, you know, get transaction meetings absolutely work for Zoom. And I think more and more people, like Karen said, what's the point of going into that room when you can do it on, on, on a well-known um, video conferencing app? But I think what is... What we're going to do possibly is shift to a world where normal business is much more done on screen, as it were, because why not? But when people do actually meet properly, it's actually much more enjoyable because you actually yeah. take a few minutes to have a chat. Yeah. Whereas before you could have a meeting and say, sit down, have your tea and get straight into it. I think actually there's something a bit more precious about real interaction. But so, you know, the balance could change, but we could actually enjoy when we get together a lot more as a result. For lucky. The other thing that crossed my mind this morning is how the examinations world has changed. I know you and I have both had um, parts to play in things that have happened there indeed um we broke didn't we the news that the epo would be holding the 2021 eqes online that was a hold the front page oh well we didn't hold the front page did we we kind of got the we got the front page out a little bit early but <laughs> yeah the rest of the newspaper followed later yeah <laughs> but um our own examinations are going online as well I'd... it sounds like the, the pb's been brilliant actually as far as i can tell actually, they've been listening and consulting and talking and changing changing once you made an announcement changing it is always something i think is incredibly brave to do actually but it shows yeah. that they're listening and so i think what we're hearing now is all kinds of good stories about some real sense about how it's going to work and as far as i know the candidates are a lot happier than they were at the outset because it sounds like everything's being ironed out bit by bit yeah, and I, I had a meeting about it earlier on this week, and there's um, there's a huge amount of goodwill there as well from the PEB, from SEPA, from the profession, from the trainees. People want this to happen. They, they know it's not going to be perfect. They know that there might be the odd glitch and the odd issue, but the, the great thing is that they're happening, and it's not going to hold people up in their careers, and then they can move on, get the EQEs out of the way next year, and the world seems a bit normal again. Fingers crossed. I think if, if we get it as, as right as it's sounding it'll be, it'll be a really good model for the EQEs. And it's funny how, I think at the beginning of the discussion, it was exams were hit and miss, then it became maybe we can have remote exams this year, and it's now become, let's have remote exams, and it's then gone on to, it's always going to be remote exams from now on, surely. Because what's the, what's the point? Again, what's the point of going to a room? Especially the EQEs, when you're coordinating all of that movement of people around, you, you know, yeah. whether it's getting to Munich or wherever in mainland Europe or even in the UK, finding a UK venue big enough. We, I mean, we were confronted with the conundrum of trying to find a venue large enough for 500 candidates next year. We did we did find one, but uh, we don't need it now. No, it already sounds illegal, by the way. It just sounds like yeah, such yeah, an yeah. unlikely thing that you'd be allowed to do at the moment. 
And, you know, who knows what's going to happen across October, November and what sort of circumstances we're going to be in early next year. It would be absolutely bonkers to think about doing anything else other than holding these things online. And I'll tell you what, should we have a kind of little meander through some of our highlights? That'd be a good idea. We've got some. So I think we've got many highlights. Can we, can we do a couple of low lights? They're always good. People like them. Um, Greatest I, I, podcast I, I, fails. I'd particularly like to hear my great Alexa or Siri, whatever it was, <laughs> at the moment. We were doing one of the Inventor podcasts, weren't we? And I, I said something about taking a product to market and all of a sudden I've got uh, a disembodied voice shouting at me nuggets of wisdom that you want to pass on to listeners in terms of how you get from a patent to market the Tim Moss episode was a great one not least because he was on his farm uh, we didn't actually see any of the livestock, but he did talk quite um, quite freely about them. Uh, he talked, obviously, about the future of the IPO and what it's going to look like after lockdown. But I, re- I remember he did uh, he did touch on the effect that um, artificial intelligence is going to have on IP. And um, I think that'd be quite, uh, quite a good one to have a listen back to. The, the fourth big priority for us was around linking into the AI, um, really f- uh, developing on the work we did last year to what are the big issues that AI is posing for the IP framework. You know, the work we've been doing with WIPO and other offices around, you know, um, looking at, you know, um, the big questions that AI is posing, but not only just AI, are there other bits of some of the, the, the tech landscape that are really starting to um, cause questions for, for the IP and how should the IP framework adapt? So we're all aware of things like the, uh, the Davos applications that have been in the press. Um, there was the, the uh, announcement from the USPTO, I think, last week that they'd uh, uh, turn them down as well to say that, uh, you know, a patent has to have a, a, an individual as the inventor, but we know these are, you know, there is work going on that which is testing the IP framework, and we need to look at that going forward. Yeah, I mean, I mean, that was great, wasn't it? That he, he touched on uh, AI, not least because, of course, um, I don't know when in the next month or so, but um, but we are going to have a podcast on AI, which is um, absolutely amazing. Well, there's plenty going on. It was timely that it, it was. It was a big deal at the time because of that, I don't know you say, is it Daboos or whatever? So trying to get patents uh, for things invented uh, by by AI. Um, that was interesting. And then there's a whole question about whether you can actually patent it all. And then we've had the enlarged board of appeal had their um, hearing, the weird televised hearing with our very own Pav starring in it as the, the, the champion of AI patenting. So, yeah, there's plenty more going on and uh, it's going to it's going to stay very relevant and my little push is that please can we patent more AI-related things because otherwise people keep them secret and we don't want that. And we absolutely don't want that, do we? I've got a theory about um, what AI is going to do for the profession of the future, but I don't know if I've got the time to talk about it here. In, in short, it's a theory that talks about chess and the way chess has evolved to meet the challenge of AI because uh, nowadays chess is played internationally, not necessarily just between people, but it's played between people, it's played between AI and AI, it's played between AI and person, but it's also played where where a person and AI partners up and they, they call them a centaur. And the interesting thing about, I mean, this has been going on for kind of 10, 15 years now. And the interesting thing is, I think the, the thinking was that AI would always win. And the reality is it's the, it's the centaur, it's the AI person mix that generally wins. And that's because people bring something to the equation that AI can't, that kind of gut feel, that intuition, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that sort of stuff. So I'm convinced that the professional of the future will be a centaur. That, that doesn't mean that we're all going to be kind of genetically modified to have four legs and run around a field or anything like that. Well, I don't but, see why not. Uh, we could do, I suppose. But, um, but I think it does mean 
that people have got to embrace AI and learn to work with it and not see it as something that's um, a massive threat? I I, I, it's slightly different, which is I think it is a massive threat. And what I do with massive threats is embrace them and become friends with them. (laughs) So it comes to the same thing. Is is that Um, why we get on so well? (laughs) (laughs) I do find you very threatening. (laughs) <laughs> you waving your stick around on Twitter the other night. That was, anyway, another hey, story. About my stick waving. The <laughs> but th- talking about waving things around on podcast, do you remember that lovely Darren Smith came in and brought his unicorn, Steve, with him? And that was that. an absolutely fantastic link. Look, yeah. that, was a, that was unscripted. That was pro. It's, it's almost as if I know what I'm doing. And, um, and he talked about the fact that I think he, I can't remember whether he, bought it after oral proceedings and um and he cracked on a, a really good joke at the end about only needing one unicorn and i think we should have a listen to that one so i have a large stuffed rainbow unicorn that i bought in munich airport after oral proceedings and i brought him home having just about managed to get him on the airplane even though it then greatly exceeded my hand luggage allowance and i brought him home and my Boyfriend took one look at him and announced that he was called Steve. So this is Steve the Unicorn. Um, and I had noticed, you know, in all the Zoom calls and, and video calls that we're having at the moment, I noticed myself getting very um, jealous of people who had uh, cute pets like cats and dogs that would join them in these calls and I had nothing. So I have taken Steve out of his normal living place and uh, I now sit and stroke him in online meetings. You actually have an emotional support unicorn. I have an emotional support unicorn, exactly. I thought we should give you a chance to rebut Lee's statement that you don't have a good record in oral proceedings, by the way, which is my fault in the first place. I'm very sorry. Um, Well, put it this way. I only have one unicorn. Oh, (laughs) great answer. (laughs) That was the best retort through the entire series. I was burnt then, as my kids say, burn. I am still burning. I'm branded by the wit of Darren Smith. It's unbelievable. It was amazing, wasn't it? But I don't think it was the best burn of the series. I think the best burn of the series was um, Sir Colin Burse. Um, and didn't he do well after the podcast? He comes into the podcast as plain old Sir Colin Burse, and off the back of that, he becomes the Right Honourable Lord Justice Burse. So he's done really well out of it. But I don't know if you remember, um, you waxed lyrically about your love of file history, and Sir Colin didn't really go with it. One thing I did learn is where the pattern turn is really useful is somewhere that I was very excited after the Octavis decision. I thought, excellent, this is the thing I think we're really good at. Apart from construing claims and all that, you know, that stuff, which is quite relevant. I was really excited that they actually looked at the file history of a case and decided that life wasn't too short to open up the EPO register and read a couple of letters between examiners and attorneys. And I thought, this is our moment. This is where the panel attorneys can come in with some forensic examination of the file history. And then no one's paid any. No one lets us do it. It went away again. What happened? Why can't we do file history? I love it. Really? (laughs) (laughs) Really? It's what we do. (laughs) We like things like that. Um. (laughs) Yeah, that that killed the conversation, didn't it? Professional, though. I... I refuse to accept that file history isn't awesome. And uh, life is never too short to read a good file wrapper and find out what was really going on in some of the detailed added matter arguments. And 
I don't care if he ends up as, as head of the Supreme Court. I will continue to fight the corner of far rapper. Okay, yeah. I'll, I actually don't know how interesting it is. I've never read one, so maybe... <laughs> Take my word for it. Take my word for it. I know if we ever manage to get together, bring one down the pub next time and we'll um, we'll, we'll have a peruse (laughs) together. Sounds like a great night out. But um, Sir Colin wasn't our only celebrity. Uh, We also had Lord Smith on the pod um, talking about the importance of IP to the creative economy and also um, about the way IP protects innovation at the heart of economic success. So... um, I think it's probably worth a, a listen back to that one too. Of course, that is one of the reasons that led me to an interest uh, in intellectual property. Uh, because you cannot have successful creative industries unless you value the um, intellectual property, which is where the wealth is created from. Um, and uh, that, of course, is true not just of the creative sector of the economy, but it's true across the entirety of uh, the economy. Um, uh, innovation uh, and the intellectual property that protects and stimulates innovation uh, is at the heart of any future economic success for this country. I'll tell you what, though, I think Lord, Lord Smith has been a breath of fresh air to um, Ipreg. I mean, I know in the past, um, and people won't mind me saying this, the, the relationship between Zebra and Ipreg has been um, a difficult one to manage, but um, but we've seen big, big changes since Lord Smith um, became the chair of Ipreg. And I think we look look forward to Ipreg becoming the, the regulator that the profession can really have some pride in. He, did, he, did, he came across as a very, very likable, very wise guy, actually. I mean, it's quite philosophical at one point. I remember he was talking about, you know, should should kids go into politics? And I think his answer was yes, if you want to change things, which I thought was a brilliant answer. And of course, we all got very excited, including Fran, as I recall, uh, our lovely producer, because um, he also made museums free for everybody when he was in, in, in government. So what a legacy that is. We, we were talking about exams earlier and we also had the informals on talking about their opinion on online exams so as we as we've talked about it it would be uh, i think a nice thing to do to um listen to joel briscoe's opinion on why the profession should move to remote examination <laughs> actually i'm gonna i'm gonna go off script straight away and express a personal opinion which is that the sooner we start moving towards dealing with the exam problem by making them remote the better yeah well, you, you're think- gonna get no argument here mate <laughs> <laughs> how, about, how about you guys how would you feel about um examinations being remote in some way shape or form whether that's online or or done at your desk yeah um, whoever whoever dive in yeah i mean i'll take it if you two don't mind um i i couldn't agree more i think um it's just the way things are going anyway uh, moving towards remote exams or online processes I, I understand there might be a somewhat of a change in the exam structure itself to accommodate for that but we get compared to many different professions in this profession, you know, actuary or accountancy, and in terms of professional exams and the diff- level of difficulty of our exams, especially when we get compared to actuarial exams and things like that. But um, those are the professions have evolved and adapted, and I think we're just next in line to do so. So I'm really looking forward to it and uh, the new challenges that may bring. He was, a, he was ahead of his time. He saw it all coming. We, we also we, I mean, we had a great podcast with the super staff. I mean, the, the, the topic was a really difficult, challenging one. We were looking at race, racism, and we had three super staff on who all had experience of race and the racism in their 
personal lives and in their professional lives. And I think that um, Kat particularly summed up the discussion perfectly when she said that the argument is all about basic human rights and coming together to support one another. So, um, so why don't we have a little listen to Kat summing that up? It's interesting because like, as someone who identifies as BAME, it's important thing to we have to solidify together and work towards this common goal. At the moment, it's Black Lives Matter. And in this goal, it's to basic human rights. At the end of the day, it's all about the basic human rights for this group of people. And of course, um, race isn't the only area of um, diversity, inclusion, equalities. Really looking forward to um, the fact that uh, in this series, we're going to be talking to the folk from IP Ability about disabled people and the sorts of barriers that they experience in their personal lives and in their and in their working lives. Do you, um, do, I mean, do you have a focus around disabled people at Kilburn and Strode? It's not actually an area that we've had. I think we might have uh, some experience of it. No, we're working hard on diversity, and I think um, that's an area where hopefully we'll be able to to improve yet further. Um, but I love actually how much CEPA is doing about all of that. It is impressive. Uh, it feels like it's got busier during lockdown. I don't know why. More activity, more interest. I don't quite know why that is. Maybe it's a great leveler. I don't know. But uh, the, the the effort that's going in, and certainly the, the stories we heard um, from the, the guys at CEPA were eye-opening. I made you realise just how important it all is. Yeah. And uh, yeah, you're right. We're doing lots, but there's there's loads more that we can do. And I'm, I'm hoping that the um, the IP ability one will be a real wake up for people, because I think that is one of the it's one of the great hidden areas of equality and, and diversity. But Absolutely. I tell you what, I, I think that let's let's finish the this kind of little ramble through the highlights with the um, the Campinos announcement that the EQEs will be moving online because we all got very excited about that. Uh, UK exams earlier this year, of course, were cancelled, had to be cancelled or postponed. And they're going ahead online now, which is something that many of us have been thinking is the future any, anyway for examinations. And we shall see. I, you know, I think the general view is that once we've done that, we probably won't go back to physical examinations. Uh, so that, that, I think, is something positive to come out of, another positive thing to come out of uh, COVID-19. Now, actually, we were, we were, we're very eager to learn from uh, uh, your, your experience, Richard, because we, we also, we, we plan to, to move to EEQ next year. You know, like, uh, um, you hope for the best, but you plan for the worst. And, and the more probably, most probably in March next year, we'll be more or less in the same situation that we are presently. So I think there's no alternative than to move to a, 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 an EQE, and we're working very hard with EPI in order to make it happen. I think that everybody understood uh, uh, that we really need to go there. And probably, like you say, you say Richard, once you're there, you, <laughs> you will stay there. Or at least you will partially stay there. And wasn't he an amazing guest? He was such a live wire. Uh, unbelievable energy. And again, it just goes to show that you don't have to be in the same room as somebody <laughs> when, they, when there's that much charisma going well, on. For, um, for the ha- uh, waving hands to nearly knock your eye out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and I love, the, I love the way he was flanked by, I think, three people <laughs> worrying about what he was going <laughs> to say next. But I like that. There's a lot of honesty there, and the, the energy's great. And I think the, the intent is clearly all for the good, for modernisation, for improving, for picking up some of the issues that were at the EPO and improving them. Um, very likeable bloke as well. And funny, I'm very excited about, wants to go and watch rugby, doesn't he? Wants to go to, the, to a Wales game. Which, we uh, need to make that happen, don't we? Yeah, that would to, be brilliant. We need to make yes. that happen for him. Well, mate, it's been an absolute pleasure doing the first series with you. We've got the second series starting shortly, so um, we're going to have as much fun again. Take care. Speak to you soon. Thank you very much, Lee. 